just heard Zero Time by the band Dark from the album Round the Edges. This is 1972, Proto Metal, number eight. Part eight. Rock and Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And we are back yet again, um, kind of heading towards episode 200 on our uh, little march there. Um, and this is uh, the Proto Metal Countdown. And if you've been kind of uh, sticking with what we're, we're doing, we did number 10 was 1971, and then number 9, the last one we did, was 1969, and we've arrived at the 8th best year, according to Mark and I's not-so-academic uh, sort of way of putting It's like a Gallup poll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a weird, weird way of sort of throwing things together, but uh, the whole premise, of course, is to cover stuff that... Um, obviously there are some really big records that came out in 1972 and we'll, we'll sort of talk about the, the weightiness and historical importance of some of those records. But the whole idea is also to feature some bands that are maybe a little bit more on the obscure side. Since I had an opportunity to kind of go down the rabbit hole and, and do some investigations and, and came upon a lot of like cool gems and things like that. And a band like Dark, who we'll, we'll talk about in just a moment, that's obviously a band we would never have enough material to do, you know, a full show on. Yeah. So. And these aren't necessarily like influential bands, but they're it was it's showing you know the current of what eventually yeah. became heavy metal. So. Yeah, for sure. And you know, proto metal is such a weird, odd term. You know, most most of the time we're really talking about hard rock. It's a revisionist term. Yeah, but yeah. there's some uh, you know ventures that they kind of go into metal a little bit here and there. There's some metallic parts or riffs, or even some of the bands we'll talk about today probably would never be called quote unquote heavy metal, but maybe they had some influences on bands that became like big players in heavy metal and stuff like that as well. You know, and we talked a lot about that in 1969 because for sure in 1969, like that wasn't a term that was thrown around a lot, you know, except maybe in reference to like blue cheer or Hendrix. Um, I mean, that's a pre Sabbath universe, 1969, you know? Um, And now we're in a post Sabbath post kind of mock to uh, deep purple, you know? So now heavy metal is kind of becoming a thing. And a band like, you know, Dark there, um, I don't know a whole lot about them. Uh, I kind of tried to do some investigations. All I know is, you know, you're hearing kind of a really cool, eerie intro at the beginning, which I, I saw some people online kind of reference that it had almost like a Celtic Frost kind of vibe to it, which is, you know, pretty funny uh, for 1972, because I'm sure I doubt Celtic Frost is even aware of a band like Dark, or maybe they are, you know, who knows how Probably obscure not they were. Tiny old yeah, Swiss farm. exactly. Village. I don't think this stuff was, like, <laughs> you know, penetrating too deep pre-internet. Um, but it's cool because, you know, you go from there and then it really kind of gets this sort of fuzzy sort of proto metal, you know, Sabbath type riff going. Well, well like guitar tunings is something that was weird at this, or guitar tone through an amp. Yeah, has really is in its infancy of like being able to have it be like loud distortion with still like clarity, and like a lot, almost every band we hear in this episode is going to be like a different version of you know twiddling the knobs a little bit to mm-hmm. try to get the most extreme sound almost. Yeah, and they almost like all fall into that camp where you can make some references to like you know stoner metal or doom or you know we've heard a lot of it sounds are, contemporary as yeah, far as guitar like tones. wizard or you mm-hmm. know electric wizard Caius kind of like fuzz tones and things yeah. and, and it's all like you said they're just kind of messing around in the studio to kind of find this stuff out you know um before we sort of jump into 1972 just wanted to thank uh you know some of our newer uh latest patreons uh which is going strong scott mame is the latest patreon to sort of sign up and we're all, all the way up to i think believe 28 
which is a good number to sort of be at, uh, especially this early on in the infancy. And Mark and I have already talked about uh, probably dropping something. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, there will be uh, some links uh, to some Patreon. Definitely by the time this one comes out. And uh, so, you know, if you're interested in getting a hold of the um, album or the, the episodes we already talked about recording way back in Christmas, the Fleetwood Mac, Peter Green episode, and maybe the Allman Brothers episode, I think we're going to release those to the Patreons early before we post them uh, as episode 201 and 202, you know, after we finish our kind of top 10 countdown here yeah, so that's a nice little you'll treat. probably get them months earlier before yeah. everybody else yeah which is neat and then we also talked last episode i believe or in 71 or in um 69 about the interviews that we just got digitized from back in the early uh, uh eclipse days yeah um, early 2000 or early late 2000s. 90s early 2000s yeah so we might drop uh, a couple of those too maybe the chuck Schuldiner death one which i think would be a, you know something people would really appreciate so if you're interested in becoming part of that that patreon world we do appreciate it it's helping us do a lot of things that are, are pretty cool um technology updates uh obviously some of you hopefully have checked out our new website uh mm-hmm. requiem metal.com it's yeah. pretty easy the to first remember. month of patreon uh donation or whatever you know funds yeah basically funded that for the entire year which is really helpful and the ability to have like a website now for people to sort of go to because we we lost that one website got corrupted that we used to have uh, a couple years ago and on that you can find links to merch which is cool Mm -hmm. for those of you interested in like mugs and t-shirts and stuff and then mark's artwork is up there um as well as a link to the patreon page from there but if you go to patreon uh and then look up uh requiem metal you'll uh you'll be able to sort of or you can just go to requiemmetal.com and, and, and then, then click on the Patreon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we appreciate that. One thing just to kind of keep you guys updated that we're using some of the Patreon stuff for is um, by the time this episode drops, I think uh, Mark and I will already have either been there or on our way there. But we are venturing out to Philadelphia in a few weeks to go to the beer and metal festival that decibel is putting on with at the gates and carcass and mayhem and mayhem monster and magnet monster and magnet uh propulsion yep propulsion. um and we're gonna record quite a few podcasts while we're out there so we're using it as a business venture uh so we're, we're putting your patreon money to good use we're gonna hook up with the esteemed chris dick who has been on several episodes and is kind of a at times, kind of a silent uh, sort of third person uh, to the podcast. And He's always you, in the corner judging us. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> sure. And Chris, Chris has some unique, you know, knowledge about definitely, you know, some some cool stuff. So that would be more modern stuff, you know. Obviously, that will get posted after episode two hundred. So for those of you that are, you know, not fans of some of the older classic metal kind of stuff, you know, hopefully you can find some value out of the countdown that we're doing and see that the, it has kind of a higher purpose. And maybe you'll find some things that you kind of dig out of it. But you know, once we turn that corner after episode 200 we're, we're going to get back into some of the newer things i think we've talked about maybe a tribulation episode especially after that brand new record that's pretty phenomenal yeah, yeah. um you know right now as we're recording this the big you know kind of record amongst you know heavy metal is that new priest which you said which is, is really across the board's gotten great yeah uh, great reviews it's as far i mean i've i've liked everything post uh um uh, you know everything after what's his nuts uh ripper mm-hmm. you know and i even like jugulator for demolition and jugulator you know, you know demolition i don't care for that but much, uh but. yeah the comeback records with, with rob are both good or the first one angel retribution was i think it's really good this one's like somehow mixing painkiller era with early 80s like defenders like Defender. super catchy every nice. fucking song is catchy and it's it's one of those records where like the hits you're like man these are so good but then b-side stuff is like even better wow so it's i've been really impressed with it so far yeah and i've sort of been uh incognito a little bit in the 
the metal world. So I just ordered my copy today because I've kind of been uh, off the radar screen. I've been checking out kind of older stuff and and just not as much new stuff. So I, I need to get back in the game. So I'll have some insight into whether you know. I'm sure I'm going to like it. I'm, it's I'm yeah, it's pretty easy. It's to a pretty immediate record. Yeah. yeah. So back to 1972, when we talk about this year, I think, um, you know, the big records that sort of came out that we've already done some episodes on some of these bands and brought them up in other, you know, other previous kind of proto metal things. But, you know, big records, obviously, probably the biggest from a metal standpoint would probably be Machine Head from Deep Purple. Mm -hmm. A lot of people see that as, you know, a metal masterpiece, a hard rock masterpiece, and maybe Deep Purple's masterpiece, you know. Uh, if you're interested in getting a lot of insight on that from Mark and I, we did an episode where we sort of put that, pitted that against the in rock uh, about a year, year, year and a half ago or so. Yeah. And so you can hear a lot of our insights there. But I mean, that's, you know, you know, Smoke on the Water and um, Highway Star and, you know, those are those are classic rock songs, you know, beyond just your average kind of metal tunes. Um, Black Sabbath, Volume 4. A big record, I'm sure, at a certain point. I actually have some ideas on how to do Black Sabbath. I'm going to run by Mark. I haven't told him yet. Uh, but I think it's a cool idea to you know to approach Black Sabbath. Uh, Led Zeppelin, Houses of the Holy, um, a song, you know, big song like Over the Hills and Far Away, which is pretty dynamic and almost predicts kind of the, the Opeth style of, of metal, you know, and even like Metallica, Master of Puppets, with acoustic passages blending mm-hmm. into you know just i mean stairway to heaven had that as well but i feel like over the hills is a little bit like punchier and a little more metallic as a tune we've got the debut of blue oyster cult uh that's a band that will definitely be you know especially their early trilogy i, I have a feeling uh is you know something we'll look at down the road you yeah know, certainly a big possibility the um, older we get the older the bands we talk about will probably yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's kind of i don't know we haven't done really any contemporary bands and it's been a while. A while. Yeah. Um, Which nobody's complained either, so. No, no. I mean, I guess, you know, contemporary stuff, we did stuff on the big four and some of what they're doing, like newer contemporary things. But those bands uh, are still 35 yeah, years old. Say, they're pretty established. <laughs> I think Tribulation's going to be a nice kind of, you know, that's yeah. a more newer band that, that's kind of doing stuff. I think what the problem is, is like, you know, you want to know if a band is going to be like a, a one-hit wonder, if there's any kind of like longevity or historical resonance to like the yeah. album. I think that's um, kind of where we're both at now. It, it's yeah. like not so interesting just to do like, oh, a band put out one record and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about it. Like, eh, yeah, you get a, like little a bit of, get a little bit of a, you know, a, a catalog together. And there's other podcasts, you know, uh, friends of ours, that, uh, or at least friends of mine that I taught, the Into the Combine one, they do a lot more of like current releases and stuff. And that's great. That's a great format if that's what you're... Yeah, you pit it. We just after been doing this stuff for so long. It's I don't have the energy to to wanna. Sure, I want to talk about stuff that has some kind of like it matters in some way more than just being new. Yep, and, and I'm I, not shitting on anything. No, but just, I think I think it fits our personalities a little bit more. Me being like a history guy and and you know having the the gall and interest to like put as much stupidity into researching bullshit like this like this, you know it's like it's fun for me you know i remember yeah. being like a kid and i just spent hours like uh arranging baseball cards based on like hall of fame shit like i, yeah. I just we're drawing connections between yeah guys. i was just always it's like important. up to something you know and i can do that with almost anything and especially music you know teaching rock history it's, it's always kind of fun to like contextualize everything that's going on um another big record uh and we've talked about these guys before i think their debut uh, possibly in the 1971 episode, if I remember right, that their debut came out. But Heart Attack from Dust uh, features a great, um, is it Frank Franzetta? Is that who the the cover is? It's like that Viking kind of warrior looking. Uh, it's 
some of that. Oh, I think it is a Frazetta. I think it's a Frazetta yeah, it's cover. It's that blue and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. pretty cool. Um, Pentagram released uh, a single, and we've, of course, covered Pentagram pretty exclusively with a two-part episode, if you go back and, and find that stuff. And at this time, they were called Macabre, so they hadn't quite become Pentagram yet. I think that's going to happen in 1973. And they released the Before Warn single, which, to my knowledge, I think was their first single. But, you know, I, I didn't go back and really, like... I know we we, we did all that research. Of that like we were made, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like who, their parents each got a yeah, copy. I know. I know. So Gene it, Simmons found one. Somewhere. Pentagram is one of those weird bands where, like, you wonder if they had had like a marketing team behind them that like Sabbath had or management. Like, would they be talked about the same way Purple and and Sabbath and even Blue Oyster Cult are kind of talked about? You know. I don't think they'd probably, Bobby would have been, probably be dead. Yeah, that's true. Because if he, he couldn't had, have had those cocaine budgets, he would have like. Yeah, that's true. He, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So we, we did luck out, I guess, in a weird way, even though they're they're kind of uh, unsung heroes of this era. Um, Scorpions. We did uh, recently the Uli years. Um, this is the pre-Uli era, but it is the debut uh, Lonesome Crow. And for those of you that haven't heard any of the Lonesome Crow stuff, it's a, it's a weird like kraut rock Sabbath kind of mix um it did feature michael schenker uh who was 16 at the time very young guitar prodigy uh right before he got recruited to to join ufo in 1973 um and so that's a you know an auspicious sort of beginning for the scorpions before they really found their sound uh ronnie james dio kind of makes his metal debut with a band called elf which you know so he's going to take that and leverage that into rainbow uh yeah you know pretty soon uh, Humble Pie, probably their kind of masterpiece, I would say, besides their live record, is uh, the Smokin' record. It's probably their heaviest one. And that was their first post-Peter Frampton record, uh, but it's, it's it's good stuff. Um, Thin Lizzy's second record, Shades of Blue Orphanage. So they're still sort of arriving at the, the quintessential Thin Lizzy sound, but it's there. There are the elements, the twin leads, and mm-hmm. you know Phil Lynette's kind of stuff is, is working really good. And then Uriah Heep released two records this year, which is incredible. Two and incredible records. Two incre- yeah. yeah, two maybe of their best records. I mean, I put these probably in their top three or four. Yeah. Uh, Look at Yourself, which I think we're going to get to a little bit later and, and talk about that record more exclusively. And then Demons and Wizards. And um, I can't off the top of my head, I can look it up, which one actually came out technically first between them. But um, Demons and Wizards featured a pretty big song. Um, was it The Wizard? Am I? Uh, hang on. What's the name of that song that I didn't write it down? I know. Look he at yourself. Had the big sin- Is that it? Uh, the wizard. Yeah. Yeah, it's the wizard. Okay. That's traveler in time. Yeah. Easy living. Easy living. That's a big, that's, that's a pretty big. That's a pretty big. Rainbow team. demons. A good one too. Yeah. So and Mark's a, a big uh, heap guy, and so am I. I'm starting to become more appreciative of them. But uh, those are some of the bigger records that we won't really maybe talk as much about, or at least feature music from. Um, you got anything about Uriah Heep, that Demons and Wizards record, or, or any other kind of factoids? I know you like kind of throwing out stuff sometimes about 1972. Uh, oh, shit, I didn't even think you didn't of that. Oh, I didn't even look it up this time. You, you I, can do that while I, uh, I kind of We'll do, do that on the next stuff. set. We'll do a little bit. But, um, you know, a lot of what you're noticing in 1972, if I'm kind of drawing some patterns out, is clearly you can start to feel by 72 the resonance of Sabbath. You know, the, that Sabbath riff that, that sort of was born in 1970 and, you know, kind of perfected in 71 with Masters of Reality. You're starting to hear that in bands. You heard it in the Dark song that we opened up with. You're going to hear it with the next two bands that we get into, a band called Tractor and another band called Jerusalem. And you, you, it's just, it's sort of like floating through a lot of the music at the time. And I'm sure it's like, 
you know, my the the only kind of comparison I can maybe draw it to for my own childhood is you know growing up with like the grunge stuff really kind of taking um, taking off in the early '90s. You heard a lot of copycats, and a lot of it was kind of derivative at times. But even some of the derivative stuff, even when I think about it now, I kind of think about some of those songs a little bit more nostalgically and fondly because they had a, I don't know, they were they were reaching for something, and and it's not like music today that you know some of the mainstream metal today that just doesn't really. I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And so I can like appreciate the fact that, yeah, were they kind of trying to, you know, rip off some of what Alice in Chains and Soundgarden were doing a little bit better? Yeah, but even sometimes they would kind of stumble upon like some kind of cool sounds or some cool ideas out of that. And I think that's what you're getting in like this glut of early 70s kind of proto Sabbath kind of stuff, you know, is there's, there's a few kind of cool ideas that are sort of floating to the surface. Yeah. Um, you know, band that we're going to get into next, Tractor. Um, go ahead. Were you going to say something? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no. I just I came up with some bullshit fact. Oh. But I was going to say, the, the further we get in, like, musical history, the more just glut of information we have, too, which really changes the pick. Because, like, 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, whenever I started listening to this crap, um, I never would have expected there to be such a good revival of traditional heavy metal from, mm-hmm. like, kids in their 20s. Yeah. That, like, rivals anything that has ever come out. So it's, it's such a weird... You can't... Looking back at like seventies is so completely different than what you know, especially two thousands. Like post internet age is like yeah, it's an insane. It's a completely like different way to look at the world. Well, and we couldn't have done this countdown without YouTube. I mean, no, unless we like had some weirdo like record collector guys that worked for mm-hmm. Goldmine Magazine hid in the basement. Like, yeah. there's no way you could have known it's, this kind of stuff. It's uh, you know, I mean, I I even sort of surprise people that are, you know, like. People there that are, happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's some of the stuff that I've been posting because we do, obviously, if you follow us on Twitter um, at Podcast Requiem or you follow us on Facebook, the Mark and Jason, you'll know that we're doing this sort of countdown of uh, history of heavy metal. I'm trying to post like three to four songs a day if I can. There are a couple days that get missed here and there because I'm just I'm out of town or I don't have internet access or, or something crazy is going on. But um, you know, I get a lot of responses to some of that, even from like musicians and people like, you know, I was just talking about something I posted from some Belgian band called Burst from 1973 the other day. It was like proto hardcore thrash, almost like black metal y type sounding stuff. And uh, Katon from uh, Katon from Hyrax from Hyrax yeah. was like, what the fuck is this? You know, so <laughs> like, you know, I mean, and that's a guy who I know is well versed. He's like, Scott especially Carlson. in this era. Yeah. yeah he those guys, those guys stuff know stuff. And so to be able to surprise them with some of the, the deep well that we've been able to discover through this doing this countdown is, is always pretty awesome. Um, one other record I want to mention that, that um, we didn't get a chance to play uh, or that we won't get a chance to play is Necromandus. Um, called Quicksand Dream. That's that's a great record for people that are interested in a lot of this stuff. Uh, Blackwater Park, Dirt Box. That's obviously Opeth. Uh, you know, took something from there. Black Widow number three. And I know we've talked about Black Widow on other episodes, but Black Widow three is probably their most metal record. I don't know uh, how how familiar you are with that. The, I, don't, know, I don't like known by reputation. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the one music. where they kind of lock in. That's got a song called Old Man on it. That's that's really fantastic. Uh, Bang's second record. Uh, I'm on Dual Wolf City, and then um, Slade, which Slade is not a metal band. They were a glam band, but clearly they influenced things like Quiet Riot and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, da, 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 da. A band called uh, Birth Control with an album called Hoodoo Man, uh, which is pretty nifty as well. So those are a couple other ones I want to sort of mention before we kind of get back into it. 
Uh, do you have some cool factoids? Well, this was a uh, year of the Watergate arrests. It is, yeah. Munich, Although it won't, uh, it won't actually take Nixon down till seventy four, I believe. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, the Munich uh, terrorist attack. Yeah, the Olympics. And we have uh, what does it say for Watergate? Operatives were arrested. Bur- like actually, the burglars. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pioneer Ten. NASA launches the Pioneer Ten spacecraft. Yeah, hey. something there for yeah. it. a minor strike in the UK. Holy shit. Uh, men's fashion was great. Uh, toys of the year, Mickey Mouse gumball machines, earthquake in Turkey. Oh, okay. Uh, not a ton of stuff. Vietnam. You know, oh, yeah. Some, uh, Vietnam trips was... withdrawn from Vietnam. Yep. I think they're about to sign uh, kind of a pair, uh, Paris Peace Accords or some version of them that Kissinger negotiates will happen in 73. And that's really when we're kind of done in Vietnam. And then they'll officially pull everybody out in 75. So, um, but at that point, people are kind of. The anti-war movement is still sort of going on, but people are almost like numb to it. It's kind of like how people are today with Iraq and Afghanistan. Like we know we're still there, but people just they stopped caring, which is sad. Yeah, yeah. it's sad for the. Well, people when it's not in your face every day, you're not. You don't. Yeah. We don't see anything. We don't see casualties. We don't see shit from it. Yeah, so. yeah. It's very, very desensitized in a lot of ways. Godfather came out, dude. Oh, that's that's my year. That's my movie. That's my favorite. Dirty movie Harry, right there. like a lot of. Yeah. Going back and looking at all this stuff, like music's dirty, movies are yeah, dirty. gritty. Like every, you're starting to see the the sheen of you know the 50s and 60s get washed away pretty quickly, and mm-hmm. see like how corrupt and shitty everything well, and really I think, is. I think Vietnam had a lot to do with that. I mean, the Pentagon Papers came out in '71 and really showed how corrupt and and you know the lying of the government and things like that. And I think people just you know this general sort of uh, negative or dark kind of vibe was floating over the first half of the 70s. You mm-hmm. know? And it only get worse once the you know president literally has to resign, which is a pretty dramatic <laughs> moment in, in history. So, but this next uh, set that we're going to get into, uh, the first two bands that sort of start off, like I said, are kind of more proto Sabbath type stuff. Tractor has kind of a Sabbath pentagram pentagram sort of vibe to it, but it's a lot more psychedelic. There's some cool like psychedelic doom elements. I kind of wrote down Monster Magnet, but even this is pretty, it's a lot more esoteric than most of Monster Magnet stuff. Maybe Tab. Well, that intro is, is like that. It's just like, what, like a minute and a half of just I think so. Well, at the end, especially, there's a lot of meandering. Like, there's almost like a tribal drum, tribal groove thing. And you can tell, like, maybe Lee Dorian, you know, stumbled on these guys. <laughs> and, you know, um, and speaking of Lee Dorian, you know, he, a lot of the stuff we're going to hear later, you can kind of tell, like, he kind of had an ear to some of it um, in terms of the influence it's going to have. And then the second band that we're going to get into is a band called Jerusalem. And um, Ian Gillian from Deep Purple actually produced this. And it's very proto, like, electric wizard. It's got, like, a dirgy kind of feel to it. The vocalist was a guy named Lyndon Williams. And he's uh, he's kind of a standout. Uh, he reminds me of, like, Hetfield. Yeah. Almost. It's I mean, weird. It's really cool. It's, uh, it's a tune called Primitive Man. And the cover is pretty... Uh, it's something, like, I feel like I've seen before. It's... Um, it's hard to describe, but it almost has like a type of cover you would see with, um, God, why can't I think of uh, the band? We did it next to Manila Road. Um, we did those kind of... Sirithungle. Sirithungle, yeah. It kind of reminds me of a cover you would see, uh, Sirithungle, the of Frost and Fire cover, kind of like a, okay. like a Michael Moorcock type thing, yeah, but yeah. it's way more primitive looking, this, this is. <laughs> um, 
And the lead playing is really tasteful, simple, but it's like perfect. So I think uh, I think you guys will really dig the the Jerusalem tune. And like I said, hearing that Ian Gillian had something to do with it added like another layer to it. Then we're gonna hear a pair of songs from a band called Night Sun from a record called Morning, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, and why that that album kind of is an unsung hero of the underground. And, you know, some big people that really speak highly of that record. And it's a pair of tunes called Plastic Shotgun and Nightmare. And then we're going to end with uh, the aforementioned Uriah Heap uh, from Look At Yourself. And it's a, a cool tune called Tears In My Eyes uh, that features some pretty badass slide guitar that we'll sort of talk. You're going to hear All Ends Up from Tractor. It's a self-titled record, followed by Primitive Man from Jerusalem's self-titled record. Then we're going to hear the pair of tunes from the band Night Sun, Plastic Shotgun and Nightmare from the album Morning. And then we're going to end with Uriah Heap's Tears in My Eyes from Look at Yourself.
That was Tears in My Eyes from Uriah Heep. Then we had a pair of tunes from Night Sun, Plastic Shotgun, and Nightmare. And then we opened things up with Primitive Man from Jerusalem and First All Ends Up from Tractor. Um, those last two bands I wanted to kind of chat about for a moment. And uh, I know Mark's going to probably weigh in a little bit more on Heap. But before we get to the look at yourself, I want to talk about this band Night Sun um, because they were kind of a band. I've had this CD for years. I was telling Mark it goes back to a guy that we used to work with at the record store. And he, um, when he left Mount Pleasant, which Mark and I are from, he moved down to Ann Arbor, for those of you that know the University of Michigan. And there's a really great record store down there that's all used stuff. Um, and it's you know a lot of obscure stuff, but it takes hours to sort of get through. And he used to just pull things off the shelf for me when I would go in there. And he'd be like, oh, buy this. This is like worth buying. A lot of indie rock stuff and some kind of obscure things. Well, and his he, thing, too, was like he prided himself on finding the weirdest. It didn't even have to be music, just like this weird, just because he did weird, experimental stuff. Yep. Still does. Yeah. He's still doing it. Um, and it was, uh, it's one of the few cases where he wasn't, it wasn't one upsmanship. It was like genuine, like it seemed like he was generally really, yeah. He was really kind of for the challenge and yeah. kind of looking for things. I remember one time he even wanted, um, he, when I was there, he asked me about that repulsion double disc. And he said, like, he said, I feel like I've heard some of this live stuff. Is it really, really crazy raw? And like, I'm like, yeah. And he's yeah, like, okay, what, that's what I want. And yeah. so he's not a metal dude, but he was kind of interested in the idea that that Repulsion Live would have this, like almost this dissonant sound that almost nothing else probably would have because of the way it was recorded. He'd always ask me like, what's the, the like the grossest sounding, like obnoxious metal thing you could yeah. tell me about right yeah. now. Like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Which is cool. You know, yeah, like yeah. I said, he's into it and he's still, you know, so Ben Bracken, if you, if you're listening, um, but he turned me on to this night sun thing and I've kind of had it for years. And I remember putting it on when I first bought it and I thought, Oh, this is pretty cool. And the more, uh, one of the, one of the guys that's really helped me with a lot of the research to do this countdown and eventually this proto metal thing is uh, we were just we're off mic. We're talking a lot about Martin Popoff, who used to be an editor for Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles, and now Mark was saying he's doing some stuff with Banger Films and prolific author. <laughs> yeah, he's written just tons and tons of books. And one of the books that's really really helped me out, and it, I think it's out of print now, but I found a used copy of it. is called The Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal, Volume One, the Seventies. And it's just him reviewing a lot of records. And this one, you know, he really speaks highly of it. I think he had it in his top three or four uh, greatest obscure 70s uh, proto-metal, kind of heavy metal records of all time up there with like Atomic Rooster and a couple of other things. And it really does hold up. Um, you know, there's an immediacy to Plastic Shotgun and Nightmare that I'm sure you can hear. It's got, you know, the great kind of uh, Uriah Heap, deep purple kind of organ stuff. But you were even pointing out that they're not, trying to mimic what John Hand kind of does. It was more like, uh, it was a little more punchier kind of with what they were doing with the organ and stuff on that. And yeah, it wasn't the Lord and Blackmore. Like they're almost like fighting for dominance. Yeah, this, this is more kind of cohesive. Not, not almost cohesive, like staccato, you know, yeah. like, da, 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 you know, like kind of sharp percussive kind of thing going on. And, you know, you can hear elements of Sabbath. You can hear some purple, some heap, and um, even like a little bit of, kind of the because they're German, they're from Mannheim, a little bit of like kind of the weird, crowdy stuff that might have been floating around, some you know, Lucifer's friend and and just just the bizarro Amandul yeah. kraut kind of stuff that might have been happening can, you know. So it's it's a pretty it's a great record. I urge you to get a hold of it. And actually I was uh in the back of that guide to the seventies, they interview um a guy who 
like owns like a specialty record store where collectors come from all over the world to find like the obscure things. And he mentions that as one of like the five records that record collectors all around the world are always sort of trying to find that on vinyl. So apparently this hmm. night sun morning is something kind of legendary in the underground. Probably, it's never been reissued. I don't know. I, I, I have it and I believe it came out on um second. What is that label? Second battle. When was that? Is it which is a Berlin from the two thousands ninety seven? So that might have been. It originally came out in Zebra Records in nineteen seventy two, and uh, somebody's got to have like a decent like you know digital version of that. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you could press you a could record f- off. Of- yeah, you can find them obviously on YouTube and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's worth getting. One of the songs we were debating playing is um, it's like a seven or eight minute song that features almost like two minutes of like kind of dissonant noise. It's called "Got a Bone of My Own." And then another tune that Mark and I were listening to uh, before was called Come Down. It had this sort of bleak kind of harmonic, real dark kind of energy to it. So a lot of dynamic stuff. I know those two songs were like a lot more like punchier kind of proto thrash type stuff. But there's a lot of different emotions going on throughout that whole record. And then, of course, we got Heap with Look at Yourself. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you have like a, a fundamental feeling between this and Demons and Wizards? Or do you just kind of see them as kind of companion pieces or I, you're more familiar with keep. So that's kind of why I'm asking just from, I, I, I mean, demons and wizards has such like a fantasy cover. Mm-hmm. It looks, it looks like Ralph Bashy Lord of the Rings kind of thing. I was always drawn more to that. The weirder covers because look at yourself had the mirrored cover that you could actually literally look at yourself. The album was a pun. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I always kind of didn't listen to that one as much. And then when I was working at a record store for a while, I, they didn't want to play anything too obnoxious, like no death metal or anything. So I would pull out, you know, purple and just anything old. Yeah, I remember and, you saying that. Yeah, just listen to a, a lot of this, and this album is great. It's more refined, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's more kind of focused and poppy, but sure. it's still a great. There's record. a great 10-minute uh, tune on there. I think July morning. That's it's pretty uh, pretty nifty. Um, this song in particular, what I kind of said about it is it's really all about kind of uh, Ken Hensley's slide guitar. And in the middle section, he really, really gets into this like incredible groove jam sort of thing. And it kind it's of, almost Zeppelin-y. Yeah. You know, but it's like... Whatever it, the hell it, song it, that was. The... I don't know what oh, Zeppelin song uh, I mean, I'm trying to I know exactly. I'm sure that rendition is great, and everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh my god, I know exactly. It's just not. But it's that same kind of interplay, Mm -hmm. you know, in the song. So yeah, and that's cool because that's something I didn't really hear a lot from them before. Um, You know, with the slide guitar, I don't think I've heard that from Heap. So now we're going to kind of move into, I guess, a more you know immediate proto metal sort of thing with a band that a lot of people throw in with like Sir Lord Baltimore, Lucifer's Friend, and that's Captain Beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you first discover this? Was this kind of a Lee Dorian kind of thing? Because he would talk about a lot of this stuff. I think didn't I think Entomb did a cover of Captain, Captain Beyond, Beyond cover, didn't they? Didn't they? I I can't remember. Entomb's done so many freaking uh, covers. I, I can never. They've done so many like like bizarro covers. Yeah, that, you know, King yeah. Crimson. And, yeah. Um, MC5 and different things like that. But what like validated all my choices or all my like what I thought was good in music when I saw what their weird. Sure. You, know, you could kind of figure out what Nick Anderson's and uh, Ufe's. Yeah, and I kind are. of always like throw Captain Beyond into that category that like you know Lee Dorian and Michael Ackerka- uh Michael Ackerfelt, uh, Ackerfeld, <laughs> different, <laughs> different thing altogether. There's a band yeah, Michael yeah. Ackerfeld. Yeah, that'd be badass. <laughs> it's like they do Opeth Ackerfeld covers. Uh, it'd be really funny, like a hodgepodge of like <laughs> prog black metal. But um, 
uh, Michael Ackerfelt would always talk about a lot of these bands. You know, he was influenced by. I mentioned Blackwater Park earlier. Could have been another song that we played from. Uh, you know, Dirtbox. Um, yeah, they did Mesmer- Mesmerization Eclipse. Oh, okay, cool. That's where I first heard. Is Catherine where you heard them? Gotcha. And what I found out about these guys is really interesting. That it's it's actually former Deep Purple vocalist Rod Evans, which you know you know I didn't even know about until I kind of started doing it. And then you've got a couple of guys from Iron Butterfly. Uh, are in the band, and then I can't remember who was the other guy. Kind of said, um, "Oh, a dude that had played with Johnny Winter's group, you know." So it's almost like a B level super group or something like that, you know, like guys from these kind of proto like late '60s bands that, that that kind of put together a pretty pretty cool sounding thing. And you can really hear a lot of you know influences on Cathedral from this. Like I hear a lot of Carnival Bazaar kind of elements, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of mid period Cathedral. I even hear some stuff like some doomier elements that like would influence bands like Clutch, you know. Yeah, we were talking about Monster Magnet before, kind of that that sort of scene. Um, and this record in their career is kind of like a snapshot of like the best stuff. After this is kind of like eh. yeah, I have uh, I know I have a song from the second record after it. That I think came out in either seventy three or seventy four. Sufficiently breathless was seventy three. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's missing like, something. There's like one good song on it that's like pretty cool, but yeah, it's it's kind of empty. Whereas this song, you know, in this band uh, or this album, kind of like I said, fits into that Atomic Rooster, uh, Camel, like early Camel mm-hmm. stuff. Um, even you know Lucifer's friend, all, all that kind of stuff is is really going on. So it's it's good. This is definitely stuff you can hear directly influencing bands that like we've grown up listening to, whether it be Cathedral or Opeth or, or stuff like that. And then we're going to turn our attention to a band that we've already talked a little bit about. But hey, let's go back to the well because this is the one, and this is Argus uh, from Wishbone Ash. And Mark, you were telling kind of a funny story about this song Warrior when you first came across Argus. Yeah, about the cover. It lo- almost looks like uh, it reminds me of a Roxy Music cover, mm-hmm. um, but it just looked cool. I remember buying it for a quarter at the record store bef- that we worked at in Mount Pleasant before. Which I- is so funny now. Like you, this record's think of, like think of the stuff that now. we just passed off for the three for a dollar bin at the record store. Then, oh, I know. I would get maiden be- stuff there for seventy five cents. I sold maiden stuff because I was like, ah, it's not even worth having. I, I want to buy a CD. People would leave crates in front of the door. Yeah, you know, it was like, oh, okay, like, I'll, records I'll take are some so of stuff. worthless, you know. But there were those people that like spent hours just going through that shit. But yeah, anyways, but I, I remember playing uh, Warrior just fucking over and over and over. It's got that real kind of like ballady. Like Gordon Lightfoot, uh, mm-hmm. Thin Lizzy. Yeah. It's like anthemic. Um, it reminds me of a lot of folk metal kind of, of Steve Harris's like really long pondering Maiden songs and the more contemporary, ba- okay. like Where the Wild Winds Blow and shit like yeah, that in the new records. I that. So I really, I, I dig that stuff. It's great. Something just died. <laughs> We've got, we had a warrior. We attacked by cats and warriors all around us. Yeah. But no. Um, it's the most, and it's, it was everything else on the record is a little bit more. Uh, it's not quite as immediate. That's an immediate song. For sure. You know? on it's this like record. Emerald or something. from Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of reminds me of his Emerald. Um, you know, there's a great song, if you do get Argus, that's more like meandering, but it shows a lot of the like kind of elements. It's called Time Was. Uh, yeah. You can kind of hear like a lot of, of the stuff there. But this one, you can kind of hear the, the uh, Turner and Powell, the sort of twin lead uh, melodies that really had an influence on Priest mm-hmm. and Maiden. Um, I would say Wishbone Ash and probably Thin Lizzy were like the two bands of this era that were doing a lot of stuff with like the twin lead melodies and harmonies and stuff like that. I yeah. feel like Wishbone Ash gets more credit, at least from Priest um, and Maiden. I don't know if that's because they were. Well, like, Lizzy was after them, right? Well, Lizzy's got a second record at this point. They're doing, you know, 
But, but, the, but Lizzie didn't really come into their own until like 75, I feel like. That's yeah. when they really started to kind of get more like commercially popular. And um, everything sounded a little more cohesive mm-hmm. and, you know, image wise and the whole package came together. But I guess, you know, in hindsight, they were doing it too. It's just maybe people weren't listening to it as much or at least, you know, Steve Harris and those guys weren't yeah. buying as much Lizzie. It's um, like a almost a distinctly like British Isles thing is mm-hmm. the twin leads for some, it's it almost goes back to like, you know, Celtic folk music or something. It's for sure. It's and you, this song in particular, I hear a lot of like folky kind of elements and stuff like that. And I mean, obviously the whole new album scene is going to have a lot of that twin lead stuff, which will then sort of transfer into like the thrash scene that kind of grows out of the new if album you, scene. Yeah. If you play uh warrior at 45 RPM, it sounds like a thrash song. Really? Have you done <laughs> I that? I can imagine. No, I'm yeah, just, yeah. I'm just thinking of the, you know, the riffing and same with, Gordon Lightfoot's record, Emma Fitzgerald, has such a solid riff that's mm-hmm. very similar to Warrior as well. But I haven't busted out Edmund Fitzgerald a long time. I also. just I woke up, I woke up with it in my in my head, and my wife's getting ready for work, and I was was singing it to her, and then we sang the song the entire morning until that's she so left. Funny. That's so funny because <laughs> such a weird. There's so much weird like uh, it's and a it's a Michigan based song. Yeah, exactly. Michiganders well. like us. But know then about here that, like but. all the, the the weird like nautical terms and shit in there too and uh, I don't know. It, it just always kind of like grabbed me as a it's kid. Like it's very like a visually evocative. It's like a soft rock rhyme of the ancient mariner or something, you know. Yeah, but it's got some hard riffs and yeah. it's a bleak song. Yeah, that's true. It is grim. It's kind of metal, you know, about death and the, the high seas. Yeah. I I could see Iron Maiden doing something like that, you know. Yeah, it's like it uh, it's totally like um fucking uh What's the big one from Jesus Christ? I can't think of the goddamn name of it now. How will be thy name? No, the, the big long maiden ponderous song from uh, uh, Ramination Mariner. Jesus. Yeah, that's what I was just saying. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Ryan. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so then we're going to go from Wishbone Ash into kind of a kind of take a weird kind of turn. This is really sort of a hodgepodge set, which describes 1972, I think, in, in perfect uh, essence. And this is. A uh, glam metal band, kind of a contemporary of you know Bowie of this era, T Rex, uh, Sweet is just kind of you know they're getting their start in this era, and that sensational Alex Harvey band uh, record called Framed with a song called Midnight Moses, and I don't know a lot more stuff beyond this Midnight Moses song, but I, I discovered this a few years ago and have really fallen in love with it, and then lo and behold, start doing some uh, some research on it, and it turns out Tear Gas, which is a band Mark and I have been into for years, and I love, and always wondered what the hell ever happened to Tear Gas. Well, it's the late 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, that we they found Tear Gas. That? Yeah, Mike, uh, Mike Johnston, um, who recorded the Elman Brothers and Peter Green and MC5 shows with us, turned us on to it, and Turns out they became Alex Harvey's backup band. Like, this is Tear Gas with this guy, Alex Harvey, on vocals. And I don't know a lot about Alex Harvey. Um, I kind of poked around a little bit. Well, you know, he's sensational. He is sensational. <laughs> yeah, and the cover is great to this. But one thing I did sort of uh, kind of get a, a hint of is that this record in particular and Alex Harvey's vocal style had a big influence on Bon Scott. And you can kind of hear it all over the place. And so that's, that's the opening neat. line you can hear. Yeah, it. it's, it's like, it's wow, all there. It's, it's almost like, yeah. Yep, and so I gotta imagine, you know, at least Bon Scott, a Jace, you know, that he was kind of listening to it a little bit. And then we're gonna end with a band uh, called Highway Robbery with a tune called Fifteen, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. So we've got Dancing Madly Backwards on a Sea of Air from Captain Beyond, self-titled Warrior from Wishbone Ashes, Argus, and then Midnight Moses, Sensational Elks Harvey Band. We'll end with Fifteen from Highway Robberies for Love or Money.
something new Leaving everything I ever knew A hundred years in the sunshine Hasn't taught me all there is to know
That was 15 from Highway Robberies for Love or Money, Midnight Moses from Sensational Alex Harvey Band, Wishbone Ashes, Warrior from Argus, and we opened things up with Captain Beyond's Dancing Madly Backwards. Um, cool things about that Highway Robbery, that's uh, kind of a fun fun little tune. They don't. Uh, they only put out one record, it was on RCA, and they're a band from California, and you really hear uh, kind of like a garagey almost like a proto-thrash, proto-new wave of British heavy metal. Like, it's it's speedier than a lot of stuff that we've listened to here. Yeah, the guitar riff is super simple, but the bass is like Geezer Butler, like, dancing, walking all over the place. With mm-hmm. the thing. It's totally like a jazz-walking bass line. Yeah. It's great. And it's, 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 it's got a raw, garagey thing sort of to it. And I kind of said it almost builds off what Deep Purple had done the previous year with, like, Fireball, which a lot of people kind of say Fireball almost has, like, a, you know, Richie Blackmore was doing, like, this sped-up riff that, kind of predict it what thrash and, and other things will do even though i wouldn't call it a thrash song i would put this in the kind of the same category it kind of is an accidental kind of canary in the coal mine of what new wave of british heavy metal stuff is going to sound like yeah. you know, down the road it's going to be a little more intense uh well, and in your face young people everybody you know one-upsmanship like yeah. you gotta get faster you gotta get faster more intricate and all that kind of shit so yeah makes sense. but but you know basically in the book there's there's not a lot about them these kind of did one record and kind of faded away there you know so that's kind of Kind of interesting. So we are going to sort of head out. Uh, we've got a, one more tune to sort of play, but we want, want to thank, uh, again, listeners, um, especially our Patreons out there. we got good stuff sort of coming down the road. Um, and hopefully you sort of you know enjoyed some of the weird 1972 stuff here that you know even Mark and I aren't that familiar with. So i got to guess that there's a whole lot of people out there that this is going to be kind of eye-opening to. But uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, you know, the ratings help. Obviously, the more uh, reviews and ratings we get, the higher you know the rank the, the podcast will get. Um, well, the more patrons that you know are so you know nice to donate a little bit of money, it really helps us out because me and Jason live about forty miles yeah. apart, yeah, as well. So you know, a lot of the stuff's coming out of our pocket. So yep. we're not. This isn't. We're not sitting around just like buying albums with this money. This is all goes right back into the show for so sure. For the it's like v- said, the very much appreciated. You know the the travel costs and things like that. To the do, time that yeah. it takes to edit the show. And, yep. You know. Yep. To do uh, more cool stuff. One thing I, I was going to suggest to Mark down the road is if you know we got to a pretty sweet spot consistently with the Patreon stuff, and if any of you out there are sort of interested, maybe we need to find somebody local that we you know Mark and I kind of trust. It'd be really cool because I know a lot of podcasts do this. Um, they have somebody that you know would be willing to sort of edit the show for us, you know, for like a small fee, you know, because I know the that thing is ours isn't the ass for usually that bad. Yeah, uh, I just know you get busy sometimes, sure, like post production stuff. And I'm I'm like using that. old equipment too. Yeah. I mean the the machine I re- or edit everything on is from 2008. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's my the first iMac I ever got. Yeah, sure, and I, so. I I remember that. So you know that that's just something like you know maybe down the road if we get to a, a better spot, you know, to almost. Or do like a live stream of a yeah. show or something, so people can see in between sets. Or sure, you know, sure. You, know, you can do uh, Facebook Live crap, and mm-hmm. um, you could do a YouTube Live thing that just has you know is just directed out to you know with a hidden link or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can do so, stuff like that. So you know, there's a lot of different possibilities. I know some people the the initial um, kind of five and ten dollar club people that we you know first joined as Patreons. A lot of those uh, folks received some old issues of Eclipse and Requiem and things like that. Um, I actually got one cent back, uh, so the, I have to contact that person. So the address that they gave me didn't work. I believe it was a Canadian address. Uh, I don't have it sitting in front of me. I can't remember who that patron was. So if you, you know, if you were like waiting on an issue, that that might be why. So 
but we've got some incentives coming up, especially those of you in the, in the ten and five dollar range. But we appreciate anything, you know, dollar, yep. two dollars. I mean, it's all kind of adds up and stuff like that. Um, follow us on uh, Twitter at Podcast Requiem uh, or on Facebook at Mark and Jason. You can shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on the, the uh, website we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Is requ- yeah, requiemmetal.com. There's also a form contact in there as well. Which oh, cool. has been sent. Those, so people can actually, like, uh, it's basically it's an email type thing, but it's not. it doesn't send it to the Gmail. Oh, okay. Address. It just sends it to the, the it sends website? It, well, it sends it back to me because I'm the one that's editing the other thing. Gotcha. Um, but it's more of a form thing, so I can see it's easier for me to keep track of all that crap, too. So either way. Yeah, you know, so there's great. a lot of there's, different ways to sort of you know, tons of ways to get hold of throw us. that out there. And then again, if you dig if you dig a little bit about what we're doing here uh, with this proto metal thing, you know, do follow us at hashtag Requiem Metal History on either Twitter or on Facebook, and you can see the full countdown. I think uh, as we're recording this now, we are I am up to 1973, so we've gone all the way from like the 40s and 50s uh, up. You know, we're almost halfway through the 70s. It's going to take a while. It's going to be a Probably a multi-year <laughs> process, but I'm willing to do Every it. Every day when you're on the toilet, you throw yeah. a couple more up. So. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's fun, and I, I think the feedback I am getting, I wish there was a way to um, to expose it a little bit more beyond you know Twitter and Facebook, but I haven't really figured out a way to logistically do that. Mark and I played with the idea of maybe putting some of it up on the the. Um, website eventually. it almost takes but it's, longer to them it's you know. just gonna be quite a quite a mountain yeah um, you know maybe down the road i'm not sure how much i mean a lot of the stuff unfortunately probably isn't on spotify because we thought about maybe doing something like that you'd be surprised how much is is it yeah. okay yeah so so we've got some options I'll, I'll look into it and maybe down the road for maybe people who uh Maybe, you could do a YouTube playlist too. That could be too. Yeah. And well, all the links that I set up there are YouTube links, yeah. you know, so uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's down the road, but maybe something down the road for people that really get into the Patreon thing a little bit more. Maybe when we get some people who, who get to that $100 club or $150 club if they've, after they've donated for like, you know, 10, 15 months, maybe we'll do some incentive. Uh, you know, flash drives are pretty cheap. I can maybe throw throw this playlist on a flash drive for some people, you know, uh, or we could throw the entire archive of the podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be pretty cool. So, you know, just let us know. I mean, that's the kind of thing, like let us know through emails or the, through the website, like some ideas of things that you guys think would be cool. Cause we're up for anything, you know, we've got a yeah. lot of different possibilities and this is all kind of new to us. And we want to make sure that you feel like the, the money that you're donating uh, obviously has value. And a lot of the feedback we do get from people is like, you know, you don't need to send us anything. Like, I just love the podcast, which is great. I appreciate yeah. the humbleness of that. But at the same time, we're like, Midwestern you know, guys that we don't like just getting stuff for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> so just give us some feedback. We it, really appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. So the, the band we're going to kind of end with, uh, I don't know a lot about these guys. Uh, they're a band called Sudden Death. Uh, the record was called Suddenly. And there's this tune called The Zoo. And I just kind of wrote it, it sort of reminded me, it's like an earnest kind of Sabbath pentagram kind of riff, which again, sounds pretty repetitious. I think I've said that like about four of the bands we've talked about uh, in this episode. And I put a Danzig-ish phrasing, pentagram vibe, Arthur Brown. Ah, see, that's <laughs> that's pretty cool, yeah. This, the wailing at the end was yeah, very yeah, Arthur Brown. neat. So, I mean, again, if you like mind-numbing, like, doom metal type stuff, like, I, this is your era. You know, this is where a yeah. lot of those, like, doom bands of, of today are drawing from, you know 
it's not just Sabbath and Pentagram, but there were there was a laundry list of these bands. Sir Lord Baltimore and all this other weird yeah, shit. Yeah, you got Dark and Tractor and you know Jerusalem and Sudden Death. I mean, all this stuff is is pretty. Was it awesome. Weed Hound? Was that the other one too? Leaf Hound. Leaf Hound. Leaf Hound's pretty awesome. <laughs> I think that Leaf Hound is. Um, That's the Danzig one, isn't it? Maybe there. I think that record was seventy-one or seventy-three. It's in my countdown. I just okay. can't remember which year it came out. So there's just so much really good stuff out there that nobody's ever heard of. It's insane. <sighs> I mean, it, I had to put. I mean, I've updated this playlist so many times. And I'm almost at the point where I've almost kind of locked. I've locked it down because at a certain point you drive yourself crazy with like, well, this is missing. Well, this is missing. You don't want to George Lucas this thing. Just, you know, I know. And I, I probably <laughs> did. Thing and I probably did away. to some extent, but I think I'm, I'm but this is history. Satisfied. It's different. It's a history is a, it's a constantly evolving it is. document. You know? It is. Yeah. This is not, uh, you know, inserting, you know, Jar Jar into bullshit or, or something like that. There's no bad digital Java. So. Exactly. Exactly. So, for Requiem Metal Podcast, this is Sudden Death, The Zoo from Suddenly. I'm Jason. And I'm Mark.